Well, first things first, uh, thanks for taking the time to speak with me. Let's just keep this really simple. As things stand right now, February, it's miserable in England. How are you doing overall? Yes, I'm, I'm doing very good, thank you. It's, I'm in Manchester at the moment. It is very, very miserable right now. Um, but yeah, no, we're uh, very uh, busy, very busy and uh, excited to be. We're, we're off to America in a few days' time. Uh, for several weeks, um, uh, supporting Flogging Molly and doing some showcase stuff out in LA. So um, that's about five weeks, the longest any of us have ever been away from home. So um, it's been a lot of stress and organising and a lot of our drummer having late night meetings and then up at 5am <laughs> for his work. He's very knackered out, bless him. But um, yeah, no, it's very exciting. It's all systems go at the moment, despite the uh, miserable February-ness of it, you know. Yeah, it is incredible. It's, it's it's busy, good, right? Because it's an incredible series of events leading from now leading up through into March. Well, this is it exactly. I mean, you know, at, at the same time of that, we've got the uh, the album coming out and everything, um, which is very, very just surreal. Do you know what I mean? It's that's the sort of first album is the sort of thing we've all dreamed of since we were eleven years old, twelve years old, sort of thing. Mm. Um, so to to get to do that and to sort of be in the US at the same time, yeah, it's it's a very surreal crazy set of events all happening at the same time so yeah it's a very good busy it's uh the sort of busy that we like to see definitely <laughs> uh, i'm glad i'm glad as he said we are as of today actually two weeks exactly two weeks away from the release of your much anticipated yeah 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 it is yeah well technically midnight last night wasn't it so um yeah yeah, wow. yeah um yeah from the release of your much anticipated debut album anti-fun propaganda out February 23rd via Marshall Records. So the mood in the Jern and the Degenerates camp seems to be very positive at the moment. Is it sinking in? Is it sinking in that you've actually got to this stage that you are at this point where it's going to be out in the world walking on its own two feet? It's, yeah, it's, well, I think definitely it's going to become real in the sort of, I think in the next, in the next two weeks, it still felt mm. very business as usual, just getting everything ready for it, getting everything sorted. Um, but I've been trying to sort of take, take stock and sort of go, you know, in, in that same way, the parents would say, you know, it's, you, you only have your first child once sort of thing, you know, it's like, <laughs> we only have the, this is our one chance to have our first album, you know? So on top of all the, the, the stresses and making sure we get this done for it or that done for it. And like, just in, enjoy it you know appreciate that we've arrived at this moment you know right you use the word enjoy because the long build to a release particularly these days which sometimes feels very very uh extended releasing singles doing promotional work getting your name out there as much as possible can really be a long period and it can also be very dry and business like how have you been able to make it fun for yourselves um, I think that's a very good question. I think I think a lot of it has come from us as a group um, where we were all friends first and foremost. And and so this doing all of this, it always came from a, a place of fun first before we um, before we started writing stuff together. And we went, this might actually be something half decent here, you know, okay. um, but it's and so I think it's always and, and I always try and be that person in the group as 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 well if, if we're not already feeling that i try and sort of emphasize it i'm always the one that does the um we do a pre-show huddle and everything and i'm always the mm. one that gives a little sort of um mini speech i say speech you know to the um to, to the gang as we're about to go on stage one of hands in that kind of thing yeah yeah it's all arms around each other sort of thing you know in, in a huddle and um especially when it, if it's been a sort of you know if it's been one where we've been doing lots of traveling and it's been or lots of things have been going wrong or whatever the thing i always try and emphasize is you know we're doing this for ourselves and we're doing this to to have fun you know um 
like and so especially now we're going on stage this next half an hour that's all that matters is just us guys having fun together because if, if it stops being fun then why are we chasing this we could just go and get normal nine to five jobs you know well put well put um uh and of course we've had a couple of singles uh as of this point famous and big hit single with positive reactions and comments uh to both so i have to ask seeing those reactions seeing how people have received those tracks does that ease your mind regarding how the full album might be received yeah i mean it's yeah it's been a, a, a really wonderful response um i think it's 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 always interesting to see how the how these things go especially when some of these songs i mean the, with this first album we some of these songs we've had like famous is a song we've had for years and years mm. it's gone through several different versions and uh several different you know chords and 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 whatever um but some of the other songs um like big hit single are brand new really they were written in the right in the lead up to the album you know in the in the, the few weeks or months before so seeing you know how well do they actually sort of mesh together as as recordings from the same band and everything so mm. far it seems to have um it would worked quite well but yeah i'm really that's i'm definitely interested to see what the reaction will be once you get to hear it as a whole body of work you know from start to finish definitely see i find that really interesting um hearing what you just said there because i i i would not have noticed that I would not have known had you not said that there was a massive gap of years between those two particular tracks. I think it's, it's not noticeable. That's that's good. That's really good. Yeah, because it's we also I mean, with that, with the first album, I think, you know, there's the, the stereotype that we've not followed at all is that, you know, you have so much time to write your first album. It's the second album that you then know oh, you've got it. You've got a very short yes. period of space to write it. Whereas because we we spent so much time not second guessing is the wrong word for it, but just trying out different sounds and going, okay, that's not quite right. That's not quite what we want to do. And this, that, and the other, by the time it came to the first album, other than a song like famous or something where it, we, we go, we went, right, this one is a good song. We just need to adjust it slightly to, mm. to fit the, uh, the vibe of the album. So much of it was written in the, in the, in those months and weeks leading up to it. It wasn't like we were just picking songs that we'd written in the five years we'd already been together sort of thing. It was very, I mean, even a couple of the songs, you know, it got to in the studio, like, right, let's start tracking the drums for this, get like the, the ground level done for it. And we all looked and went, right, we need to finish writing the chorus for this one, you know, or <laughs> rewrite it, make some adjustments or whatever, you know. So it was really down to the wire with um, the first album in that way. So I'm glad that so far, at least, it's it's been quite cohesive, you know. Well, Talk to me then about the vision for this record. So, you know, it's album time. You have the EP Only Alive When In Motion. It's gone down very, very well. And the noise around you is getting louder. The demand, so to speak, is there. What are you setting out to do initially? I think that's a good question. I think the the initial thing was to build uh, on what what the EP had, had done, especially we had the, the song on that EP, Girl God Gun, that um that did it particularly well. Um it was definitely like, right, let's let's try and recreate that in the sense of let's recreate the success of it without just doing Girl God Gun part two. Mm. It ended up being something a song like Big Hit Single, we kind of it kind of is part two to that because the idea, you know, uh, the lyrics for that song is talking about the label wanting a song that did as well. That, that will do as well as Girl God Gun. So it's like, right, well, let's purposefully, you know, this is quite obviously emulating our previous single, you know. But it was definitely, it's like taking that sort of thing of of 
uh, all the elements of that that worked, but reconfiguring it into different variations and not just being, we don't just want, you know, 10 tracks of mm-hmm. that sound exactly the same and do exactly the same thing. That's something we're always really conscious of and still going into, you know, into writing for future releases and just, you know, in general, just we never want to repeat ourselves or or, or just stay treading on the same ground. Um, so it was, it, it was definitely building on what we had whilst also going, you know, let's see where else we can go with this. I think we also had as well, we moved moved slightly away from heavier stuff that we'd written in the past um, and wanted to go into a more sort of take a bit more uh, elements from like dance or something like LCD sound system, that kind of yeah. sort of um, dancey indie sort of thing. Um, and uh, I, yeah, I think, I think that's a, a good way of putting it really. I think it's a, it's a, and lyrically it's a, a, a Jen's put it very well as, you know, it's sort of, being in your early 20s navigating the idea you know navigating this world that is kind of falling apart in a lot of different ways you know and sort of trying to live your life whilst also being aware of these things and conscious of them and trying to sort of make a positive change in some way whilst also not getting miserable about it you know I understand that from the lyrical point of view and I presume I mean that 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 mindset and that thought process and the the expanded look at the world existed in all of the all of you even when it came for whatever instrument uh, member was playing. Yeah, oh definitely, definitely. It's um yeah, I think and because and it's nice when we have a lyricist like Jen who very much there was so there's so many songs that that they've written lyrics to that over the years, I've I've just gone. Oh my god, I can relate to exactly what she's saying there. You know, mm. and it helped inform what what we're writing and how how we go about writing that so much. You know, when we have stuff that that she brings in, that I just go, oh yeah, brilliant. That's exactly how I was thinking about it as well. You know. All right, considering that and the fact that every day almost you can wake up and there's something new that's uh, going wrong and it can be incredibly hard to keep up. Things evolve, things change as time goes by. Life throws you personal curveballs as well as impersonal curveballs. How does your vision, what you want to do, what you're thinking about doing change? Did, did, Did you have moments where because of what was going on around you, things did change? Yes, I mean, I think... We've definitely had it a lot with, you know, we've been, the, the album one is, is soon to release, but we've been continuously writing throughout the last few months, um, just in general for our own enjoyment and for, mm-hmm. you know, future things that might be coming. Um, but there's been a lot of, you know, personal things within our own lives that have come out of nowhere and all of a sudden it's like, you know, we're trying to write singles, but we're, we're all writing quite sad songs all of a sudden, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's definitely... Um, it's definitely a challenge to, and and again, you know, but I think we 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 respond to our own responses with these things. <laughs> where we've now written a song that is purposefully happy, singing about trying to write a happy song, but everything's yeah. kind of going wrong, you know. Um, so hopefully you'll hear hear that in a in a in a future time. But that's definitely it's like we had a period of writing a bunch of sad stuff, and then we've gone right. We need to let's respond to that in our own way, you know. And yeah. I think that's a lot of of how we do it is is a lot of self-awareness and a lot of sort of going back on those things, you know. Fun. Can't wait to hear what comes next then. Um, all right, from your particular personal um, place, what were there any particular challenging aspects across the entire creation process? Elements that particularly pushed you um, as a musician? Um, yeah, I think that well, for me personally, the the as a bass player the album recording was a huge sort of push um and and 
and challenge as a musician um because i had a, a certain style i'm a, you know i grew up listening to sort of rock and metal i'm a you know i'm a, a primarily in a lot of ways i'm a, a metal bass player you know mm. um I'm, I like playing very fast and, going, and all this sort of thing. And I like that, <laughs> that tone. Um, and so my thing had always been, I'd wanted to try and bring some of that into it. And it just, you know, I was clinging onto that for so long in so many ways. And our producer, Ross, Ross Orton, um, absolutely fantastic. I love that man so much, um, mm. but he is a no bullshit guy. You know, if he doesn't like something, he just tells you straight away. I think that's shit. Do it again. And, um, it was an immediate thing. We got into the studio with him and plugged in my my bass and my setup, and he re- immediately went. Just sounds a bit generic, sort of American metal to me, you know. And I had a a, a very mini crisis over it and went, "Yeah, right, okay." You know, at the end of the day, is you know, it was, and it's another lesson in in this sort of thing, especially as a as a member of rhythm section or anything like that, or sort of you know, foundation level um, instruments is like. I should always be serving the song and just serving the bands that I'm in and everything. And it, it, yes, it's my band as much as the others. I should bring some of my personality into it, but I can do that whilst also suiting and serving the song, you know? So it was a, a big thing in terms of massively changing up the, uh, the, the, the style that I played, the, the, the songs I was learning to sort of inspire myself, um, just basic things in, you know, pedals I was using and amps and all that sort of thing. It was kind of a bit of a, a real shakeup for me, but it, it came out in the end that, you know, I think the bass sounds really good on it, and I think I've, um, I've got a far better sound than I've ever had since, uh, ever had before, even. Um, and I'm very proud of it, you know. And I think he he drove me in exactly the right way to be what I needed to be for that for that release. Um, I'm glad you're proud of it because um, it is your bass sound is fantastic on this album. It's really notable. It's perfect. Talk about certainly talk about serving the track, serving the music overall. It really, really is very much the case. But I, I imagine. At first, that would have been so disconcerting. That almost would have been confidence shaking. Was was that the case? Were you able to get over it and move on quite quickly? It was. It was a. It was a real confidence. Like especially as well, I was sort of the actual moment we were in this very small control room, and I was sort of stood up in the centre, you know, with my instrument, and everyone in the is in the room sat around me. And he and I think as well, most of the band when he sort of went, it sounds a bit sort of generic metal, especially for what we're doing everyone sort of gave me a look of like, oh God, that's his whole thing, <laughs> you know? Um, but it was, yeah, I, you know, I had a, a sort of a moment, because especially as well, we'd only just met as well, you know, mm. we, we hadn't developed a uh, relationship. So I was like, oh God, is this what it's going to be like for the whole thing? But I'm also someone who's, you know, I'm, I, and it's the thing with the band in general, none of us have an ego with this stuff, especially with songwriting. There's never a like, oh, you can't tell, you can't get rid of that bit because I wrote that bit, you know, yeah. it's always again what serves the song best and so i didn't i didn't i certainly tried not to take it personally in any way and I went right yeah we need i need to be doing something that's right for the, the music we're doing mm. you know um but it was definitely there was a moment where i sort of you know stood in the room with everyone looking at me with just my heart pounding out of my chest going oh god i'm not good enough for this you know basically put a giant spotlight on you you're standing half naked on that stage with an, an audience waiting for you to play it's that scenario oh literally literally <laughs> Um, all right, let's flip that around. Sticking with the entire creation process, uh, when you look back at it, what 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 are some of your favourite memories? Some of the things that you really enjoyed. Ah, oh, that's it. Oh, I'll have to have a think. Um, I I mean, the whole experience was was fantastic. Once we got to know Ross and everything, again, it was a day, not just for me, but for the band in general. You know, again, he he was so quick to if he didn't like something or didn't think it was good enough. And again, it was he was saying it for the sake of you can do better than that. You know, he'd never just go, 
that shit. He would go, hmm. well, that's not good enough. Do something different, maybe like this or like that. But it was just we'd never worked with anyone before who was so direct with us. But it was exactly what we needed. And once we got used to that, you know, it was sort of water off our, our backs with it. We every single time just went, right, OK, brilliant. Let's try something else. And it that it helped us really sort of just um, it, it helped us really just um, let go of any uh, attachments on any specific thing. It's like, can we make that better? Yes. Right. Let's do it. In terms of other areas, I mean, <laughs> Ross had a dog called Lola who was just his little princess and Lola would just Lola would go coming in the morning with him and would just run around the room and get a cuddle off everyone. And then she'd go off to daycare. It was like actual sort of taking her off to school for the day. <laughs> he'd come back, we'd record some stuff and then he'd have to go pick her up again. And she'd come back so knackered out from playing with her friends that she'd just take up the entire couch asleep. And there's so <laughs> many photos of like me and our guitarist, Jake, just like holding her like a baby. She's just, you know, flat out kipping and snoring. Um, so that was really lovely. In general, it was a very wholesome, just creative, creatively affirming time where it was like, we're we're on the right track here. We're doing the right thing. And we were all very confident with each other and able to bounce off each other so quickly, you know. So in general, it was a it's a it's a, a core memory that I'll always sort of you know look back on and remember very fondly. Massive affirmation for um what you guys do amongst yourselves and how and how um how you've got to where you are now while also learning quite a bit too yeah oh god yeah it was um it was you know because we are a very strong unit and everything we always look out for each other um but there is obviously the thing you can you know even if you take the ego out of it you can sort of there's creative tensions that can happen if one of you really believes it should be something else when it's when it's currently this you know you can end up with 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 tension there but i think mm. we as a as a group are very good at handling that tension and and uh, understanding that if we are having an argument about something it's not personal towards each other it's not beef that we have with each other um outside of it it's it's purely just like i think this will sound better for this song um but i think i think after this album especially i think the first album again it felt like um it, it, uh, towards the end it was it was kind of a rush getting it together um, not the recording itself, but actually sort of writing the songs and getting the, the sound that we wanted for it, you know, having to write whole new songs for it. But I think it's helped inform so much of where we're going after that. I think we, for whatever we do next, um, for next recording thing, we know exactly what we want to do with it. And we've, we've, we're so much more informed on, on with each other on where we want to go with it. We've already had discussions of it should sound like this and it should sound like this and it should do this, which is, is in, in far more depth than we ever did with album one. So, um, so it's exciting. It's informed. It's informed how we work with each other in a massive way. I do love talking to musicians. I do love talking to creatives because we're here talking about some an album that isn't even out yet in two weeks, and you keep bringing up what will happen even further along. I love that. It never stops. Constantly creative. Never, never. We, we. I mean, we, we. We're so proud of this this first album. We love it, and I'm so excited for it to come out and, and for people to hear it we recorded it nearly a year ago now though mm. it's um so it's been a long time and if we hadn't written in that time it would have felt like you know pressure would have been building within all of us you know um and i think we've i think again just the excitement of doing that first album and learning learning so much from it we just immediately went right we know what we want to do with whatever we do yeah. next like you know let's, let's momentum like right as well absolutely yeah a lot of momentum and a lot of drive of just like that was such a fun experience let's get back to doing that again, you know, and do it even better than we did this time, you know? Um, 
yeah definitely it's i mean it has been we've we've commented that on that ourselves you know the first album's not even out yet and we're already so far ahead with with lots of other ideas for new stuff you know but um it's better to be further ahead with it rather than trying you know catching to keep up you know yeah, it'd be worse if you're at this stage and effectively didn't have anything. But I do want to dig into the guts of anti-fun propaganda a little bit, highlighting a few tracks. I spent a lot of time with it last night. I was up all night. I had five hours of nothing. So effectively, I had five hours of listening to this album over and over again. So let's start with the title track. And the fact that it's where I kind of feel your Britishisms, as it were, really start to come through. Almost as though you wanted this to be the case. Is that so? I think, I think, yeah, definitely. It's, it's, you said uh, Britishisms, didn't you? Yeah. 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 100%. I think that's where um, a lot of it comes through. A lot of it is, is um, Jen's delivery. You know, it's so, so sort of British, you know, verging it on Cockney at points with some of it, you know, um, and, and so acerbic. Um, you know, I think you can feel real sort of venom in her delivery on on certain parts of it. That's my favourite song on the album uh, as, a, as a as a side thing. Just it's a lot of fun to play. It's high energy. Um, we're closing the sets with it a lot of the time these oh. days, um, mm. and it's it's just always you get to that last bit. It's always so much fun. But mm. I also just love yeah Jen's sort of lyrical attitude on that. There's the um, there's the bit where she's singing about um, swapping lives with Beyonce or whatever. And she says, you know, she can do my shopping and her private chef can make me souffle. And then just goes, ha, you know, in a proper sort of, yeah. Like you say, very sort of British, just like sardonic delivery. Yeah. Uh, yeah I, I, I agree with you entirely. That's definitely a, it can only have come from this country really. Couldn't it? That, that song. That, there it is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I I love it. I love it. I love that you're ending the set with it. My goal, what a great, uh, great one to do. Okay, let's talk about girls because I find this one quite experimental. Obviously, the lyrical message is simply fantastic. I think it's a very special track, but it got me thinking about what lines you might have had in the sand when it came to experimenting on the album overall. Did you have anything, or were you quite free and easy about what we could and try? Um. I think, I think it, we were always open to to experimenting, but I think as well, like kind of what I'd said with the album um, a little bit earlier, is that we were trying to sort of we were trying to sort of hone in and find yeah, you because know, we've been up until that point very scattershot, experimenting almost too much, you know, where we've been going, let's do something really heavy and let's do something you know really really light and let's do an acoustic song or a ballad or whatever, you know, and we really wanted to try and. Um, cohese it all a little bit more so there I, there was obviously there definitely was experimentation i think girls is a a good example of we wanted to write something really really tight really simple um that doesn't veer off in a hundred different directions you mm. know i mean even just the the, the midsection you know the bridge midsection whatever you want to call it is just the the same riff as the verse just played ever so slightly differently you know it's mm. played a bit less openly so it's just things like that as well of like trying to rein in our you know sort of as we were as teenagers uh or you know in the first years writing the band where it's like okay here's the riff for the verse now what right different riff now we need another riff now you know and just you keep keep adding stuff we wanted to simplify it and just go let's do something that's three minutes or under doesn't it doesn't have many you know it's a, it's the same couple of ideas with just variations upon you know but those variations they come at you fast they come quite 
like boom, 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 as you follow along with it. And obviously you're paying such attention to the vocals and the lyrics and stuff like that. So every time it switches, it can be initially quite disconcerting. But as I said, this is, I'm not going to say it's which is my favourite, but it's certainly up there as one of my favourite tracks. Yeah. Excellent. No, yeah, it's, it's. I mean, funnily enough, following on from Anti-Fun being the, the current closer, this is the song we're opening with a lot at the moment. And it is, it's just like you say, it's that immediate fast pace you know it just grabs you especially when we're playing you know we're playing shows with flogging molly where mm. it's you know very rowdy you know sort of uh probably already quite drunk uh punk crowd you know we we wanted something that is going to immediately grab people and pull them in you know and i think that song will will do that perfectly and it is exactly that it's you know it's fast it doesn't really give you much space to breathe it's just like right you know let's go grab um, everyone's yeah. attention exactly all figured out a track that put a big old smile on my face even though there's uh, you know for on the on face value i may not be able to relate to it i am nearly 40 i've got a career nearly 21 years in i have an adult son been married for over a decade yet i still think about what i'm gonna do when i grow up have you yeah. managed to figure it out yet no not at all not at all i mean i think it's one of the great lies of of adulthood really isn't it you know as you, you sort of come out of your teenage years thinking right well i'm going into being an adult into being in my 20s i'll have things sorted you know and i remember you know there was a few just a few years ago i was you know not as um men, uh, not as sound with my mental health as i was now to put it on a on a on an easy way um you know and trying to trying to sort of say you know i've not got things figured out or whatever my dad's saying you know i'm in my 50s i don't feel like i've got things figured out you know and I think it's an eternal feeling that even as you get 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, you still feel like you're just kind of trying to do your best and, you know, sort of keep up with with that sort of thing. And and it's I think I mean, Jen, with her with her lyrics in that again, that's one of the songs where I really went, oh, she's she summed it up perfectly. You know, she's she's got such a, a great idea with it. Um, But it's it's and that one has had a lot of good responses. Jen always does a thing live where it's sort of like, you know, um, who here is in, in their 20s or, you know, sort of early adults and doesn't know what they're doing? You know, is, is that a normal feeling sort of thing? And yeah, yeah, I think it's I think it's interesting that you can talk to so many people in, you know, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, like I say, you know, and like yourself, you, you, you said it, you're still sort of going, right, what am I doing? What am I doing next? I have no idea what's going on, you know. Um, and yet we, we're kind of conditioned into thinking, you know, um, as we're growing up that like, oh yeah, you reach adulthood and you, you gain this stable thing and that stable thing and you, you know what's going on. It's just not the case, is it? You know? Well, the, um, the deal for me, why this song really resonates is because uh, the deal is broken. You know, you were told, you're told, oh, go to school, do well, get good grades and whatever. And then you'll get a good job and you'll be paid well. And then you'll be able to buy a home and maybe start a family if you want and all these things. And suddenly all of these things are, a massively unaffordable or just not the actual case and everybody's sort of wising up to that now i think yeah definitely it's it's you know and it's and it's particularly right now i can't imagine what it's like being sort of you know late teens sort of going into the into the world now and uh, with the state that it's in but you know it's never been i think it's always a, a kind of a shock for for everyone no matter what era you 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 came into your, your 20s and, and grew up as it were mm -hmm. um i never planned to but um you know it's it's definitely a thing where you sort of all of a sudden go wait I, I, am i supposed to have all of these things by now you know am i supposed to have this stuff and it's like well you know maybe 50 years ago you could have a house by the time you were mid-20s but you know 
that's not happening anytime soon for 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 our generation, is it? You know, it's oh. um, it's a it's a crazy crazy world that we're living in, and it's um, and but we're all in it together. Have... Yeah, this is it. This is it. That song also has a a, a lovely um the the spoken bit in the in the sort of midsection uh, talking about the uh, Jen talking about the Sims with yeah. uh, with our friend uh, our friend who have uh, most of us have known since we were about twelve years old, Sasha um who who was turned up for the recording she's uh with our, our our drummer ev and so she she sort of jumped in and did this little spoken bit with with uh with jen talking about the sims and again just that idea of you know use you know using something like that where it's like you can have actual control over your life very easily in something like you know in a video game in the sims or whatever um you know and it becomes a, a lovely simulator for something that you can't quite achieve in the in the real world you know but also super, super relevant because it's The Sims. Turn you back for five minutes, the baby's on fire, the house is burning down and death's at the door. Absolutely. This is it. This is it. It's, um, I mean, it's it's scary how uh, how similar to life the, the, the Sims can be, how much life can uh, imitate art. <laughs> Fantastic. Okay, post-call. Uh, what's a trend that you will admit to having chased at a time in your life? Ooh. I think... Um... Oh, that's a really good question. There was definitely um, when I was still sort of a, te- a very young teenager and trying to find any sort of friends or fit in. Um, I I went and bought a dappy hat. You know when end dubs were a thing. <laughs> you know those. Stupid- oh no! <laughs> and I I definitely it, it by the time I bought one it was already kind of getting out of style, um, in that typical way. Um, I definitely as well. Again, I grew up as a as a as a metalhead um in a lot of ways um and there was a brief period where you know because i love all kinds of music you know if, mm. if, if really if you know there's two types of genres there's good and bad if, if i like something then i like it you know i don't really care what the the genre of it is you know mm. um but i definitely went through that period again as a sort of young impressionable teenager where i discovered you know the big four of thrash and all that sort of thing when anything that isn't you know at 200 bpm isn't music you know um and that was definitely something it didn't take long for me to sort of get out of that and go actually i grew up listening to musicals and pop music just as much as any other you know uh, rock or metal band or anything you know this is this is silly mm. um but it's definitely yeah i mean we're all kind of at different points in our lives all trying to trying to sort of chase trends in some sort of way and trying to sort of fit in it's part of human nature isn't it to want to fit into a tribe or society you know um even the song itself of post cool, it's you know, sort of inviting you going, you know, what this is now, what we're doing, this is post cool, you know, yeah. come get involved, you know. Um, so it's even kind of there, ironically or otherwise, you know. Yeah, chase this trend as well. Um, absolutely, it's another fantastic track. Uh I feel like we could talk about each every single track in a different way, but I'm just gonna pull out one more. And I wanted to separate because it is different and obviously it deserves its own spot. And it is, of course, Jude's song. Obviously, a very personal song for Jen. And from certain perspectives, of course, uh, you won't be able to necessarily share with me a lot of details. So I want to talk about it from your perspective um individually. What what do what does this song mean to you? What do you get from it? How does it how does it affect you? Well, I can tell you, I have a very vivid memory of hearing Jen play that song for the mm. first time. You know, sort of maybe eight eight to twelve months before we went in to record the album, 
it was two in the morning and we'd been on some some sort of night out. I don't know whether it was after a gig we'd played or whether we'd just all been out drinking or something. But we um sort of got back to hers and she has a piano in her front room. She sort of went, oh, I've got this new song, started playing it. And just by the end, I was in absolute floods of tears. You know, mm. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm an emotional baby at the best of times, but, you know, we've all lost someone in our in our lives you know even and if you haven't yet you know anyone listening to this it's going to happen at some point and it's you know it's going to be you know a, a really tough experience to go through i you know had a, a, a very sort of fast loss of, of my granddad when i was about 14 that's that, mm-hmm. that affected me a, a great deal and so it it took me back to that in a lot of ways you know and those lyrics i don't think they ever changed i don't think there was anything ever adjusted it's exactly as i remember hearing it we just added some some bass and drums to it and some you know guitar layers and everything um but it's it, it's to me it's i mean it's always a lovely song to play you know we, it's a longer song so we don't throw it in usually unless it's we get like a headline set or anything mm. but we we have you know it's a moment where jen will get everyone to we'll turn off the house lights and jen will get everyone to to get phone lights out or lighters or anything like that and and she always has a little moment where where she'll say to everyone, if you've got a, a loved one that you've lost, now's a chance to sort of bring it out and everything. And I always think of, I mean, my granddad, I, it's, this is his ring that I wear here. You can't really see it, but, um, you know, I and I always wear it on stage, either around my neck or on my, my finger. And he was always stereotypical sort of, you know, paternal figure wanting to 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 support the band and, and whatever music I was doing at that time. So he's, you know, he's always the one that I sort of bring with me when when we're, we're, we're summoning... Uh, when we're summoning our loved ones at that moment, you know, and um, it's always kind of tough to play, but it's, it's beautiful. And it's so simple as well. I mean, yeah. you know, it didn't need to be anything more than, than what it is, you know, and the the way it builds and, and, and everything again, I can, I can sort of, um, I can sort of wax lyrical about this song because I didn't really write a single part of it. You know, it was all, it all came in all, you know, Jen had put it all together yeah. and it was, it was beautiful already, you know. So it's a, it's a it's a it's a privilege to get to play that song whenever we do, and it was a privilege to record it. And there's a beautiful, you know, like the uh, actual piano parts on the recorded version. First half is played by our guitarist Jake, who does a fantastic job. But then mm. um, our our producer Ross had a friend who sort of had um, who was fixing up some pianos or doing he was doing something he, he was sorting something out for him, and he'd been into the studio a few times, and he's this amazing. Uh, piano player i feel awful because i can't remember his name off the top top of my head um but this brilliant brilliant piano player and so um he barely heard the song but we got him to you know in that second half when it starts to build um got him to just go fucking crazy with the piano on it and so you hear when it starts to really build up and you hear this piano yeah the piano yeah that's 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 him going for it and it was absolutely again just getting the mix back from that and hearing it for the first time and just going, oh, stunning! It's exactly what we'd imagined. Stunning, yeah, it's a great word for it. It is a stunning track, and um, I'll be very, very interested to see um, when the full, full, full album is out, uh, what the kind of response is to it, um, and how people take it from a personal perspective as much as anything else, rather, uh, uh, you know, compared to just judging it musically. Yeah, I think. Well, it's I def- definitely I think because a lot of the songs on the album, whilst being you know very honest and, and open there is a kind of there's a sarcasm or a, a of course a, a wit to them or some some sort of sardon- sardonic irony to them or whatever you know whereas that is you know there's no irony to it there's no um it's it's very open and raw you know and that's again you know jen singing that to us for the first time i, I was really like yeah this has to be on the album this has to be 
I think we all immediately went, this is closing track, isn't it? You know, yeah. this is this is the emotional, you know, knockout that we hit them with at the end. Because again, yeah, there's no ulterior motive or sort of, you know, wry comment there. It is just a pure song of grief, really, you know, and, and a positive grief as well. Of course, absolutely. And, you know, well, it's fun, uh, fun. We can all have fun and the album is fun and you are having fun and so on. But there are going to be moments in life where things just momentarily stop and you kind of have to take stock of that. That's it. Absolutely. You need to, you know, be able to talk about these. Yeah. And we're a very open group where we talk about our emotions very openly and we support each other in those ways. And, you know, I think I think the song the song does it so perfectly because you have that first half that is very you know, just immediately tugging at the heartstrings and a very, mm. you know, thinking about that, those sad things of missing someone. But then I think that song, the song flits, then flits to a minor key, uh, not a minor key, sorry, a major key in the second half. And Jen's lyrics become so, so more about the impact that, that Jude had on, on her, the impact in general that a loved, you know, a loved one that you've lost, their legacy, it's still there with you. Do you know what I mean? If they've had an impact on you, they are still there and, you know, still existing through the actions and the choices that you make and the things you do you know and i think that's a lovely way to a lovely way to end the album and a lovely way to end that song you know without it feeling just absolutely miserable you know it's, yeah. it, it ends on a positive you know well put um and i love when you talk about uh supporting each other because You've mentioned it already, of course, you're heading out to the States to hang out with Flog and Molly for basically an entire month, over a month. Um, and you're going to need to support each other on this because, as you said, it's the longest time you've been away from home. How are you guys getting your head prepared for this extended period away? I wish I knew. Um, it's, it's, I think uh, because there's been so much that, you know, it was a brief period where we weren't going to be able to go. And then it's, it's all of a sudden like, Oh no, we're going again. So we mm. kind of got our minds into a state of like, Oh, right now we've got actually quite a quiet period coming up other than some album sort of promotion stuff. And then all of a sudden it's right now, actually we're going in two weeks. It's all, and every, we've, we've missed a couple of weeks of, of planning and organization now. So it's been, I think, especially, I mean, a big shout out to our, to our, our our management in general and the people who've been helping us are all fantastic but our drummer ev in particular has been burning the candle at both ends tour managing this whole thing and putting it all together um and you know i, I love that little man so much um uh, but he you know i think because of that we haven't he he said last night when we were rehearsing you know he's he's barely had a moment to sort of actually go god we're we're going to america mm. and we're going for four or five weeks you know and we're away from home um but i think like I say, you know, we, I think this band came from a place of friendship and you know, we were all great friends before this place, before this band formed. And um, I think I, I hate the thought of being in a band that doesn't support each other like this. We don't yeah. need to, you know, even if I come into to, to this in some sort of, you know, if something's happened or I feel miserable, I know that I've got the right people around me who will either support me if I need it or give me the space that I need as well. You know, because sometimes that's just as as important with these things is just like knowing when to give each other that time and, and space to just go, OK, you don't need to you don't want to speak to anyone right now. Your social battery is at zero and you just need a, a bit of time to yourself, you know. Um, but I think we're all very good. I mean, it's a whole running joke with the band that we are a hive mind at this point. Um, yes. You know, and we can all tell exactly what each other are thinking just through through sort of a quick look at each other. So I think it's. um. It's going to be it's going to be an, an undertaking. It's nothing any of us have experienced before, but you know I think couldn't be asking to do it with better people, honestly. 
It's going to be a hell of a big experience as well. Um, I, I think, I, I suspect it will still be a hell of a lot of fun. But also, man, what an opportunity, as you say. You know, Flog and Wally crowds, they bring them in. You're going to be playing for them. A lot of people are going to hear you potentially for the first time. That is going to be very special. Absolutely, yeah. To get into to to play in so many new places that we've never played before. To experience, you know, across a whole continent that I think, yeah, we we went once last year to the South by Southwest and saw a little bit yeah. of Austin and everything like that. But to to see so many so many places that aren't, you know, we're getting to see LA and Las Vegas and a little bit of New York and all that. But to get to play, you know, Iowa or uh, you know. Um, Boulder, Colorado, all these sort of places where it's like it's not exactly a tourist hotspot. You know, it's not a place where you plan a holiday round, but <laughs> you're going to get to experience a flavour of these places for, uh, you know, for 24 hours or so. And that's a, a wonderful thing about about this, uh, about this life we've chosen. And um, and yeah, getting to play to crowds that everything I've heard about is that they are very rowdy and get very, mm. uh, get very, get very excited and probably a little bit tipsy. Um, so I think we'll definitely get along. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Um, I can't understate the spectacularness of this opportunity because I just want to share with you that I, I know I know who Jen and the Degenerates are. I reviewed your EP back in 2022 and all of that. Uh, the first bit of news around this album that kind of got was actually related to the tour date. So it was the first thing I saw when it was kind of, OK, this album's coming in. And I looked at that and I thought, wait a minute, I thought this was a British band. Because I looked at those dates and those long list of dates and I thought that can't be right like they must be an American band doing that many things and of course obviously that is completely the case so it's simply a spectacular yeah it's it's it was one of those we had had other dates planned for um for around this time UK dates you know a sort of an Mm. album release uh headline uh, tour and everything like that that tour is still happening that'll all be announced in in due course you know but the offer came through and it was just such a turn it down uh, this is it. How could you say no to something like that? To get to go out and do all that stuff and play to such a big new crowd, and you know, to again to the sort of that thing of if I could go back in time to sort of sixteen-year-old me and say, you know, in ten years' time, you'll be you'll be on tour in America, you know, for for four weeks whilst your first album comes out. It's like you mm. know, I think you'd have a far far lot less to moan about. I think you'd just go, all right, everything's going to be okay, you know. Um, it's not an opportunity you turn down and it's a chance to just, yeah, to, to gain a whole new fan base, hopefully. And of course you just uh, dropped it in there as well. And I want to make sure it's mentioned again as well. During this period on February 23rd, of course, Anti-Fun Propaganda, your debut album is released by, by Marshall Records. Equally as important as that tour, equally as important as everything going forward, if not more. Um, Jay, we're almost hitting the 45 minute mark. So this is entirely up to you. I could have a couple more minutes of your time involving Ozzy Osbourne and the random cards in his head that we pull out and ask. Um, it's up to you. If you want to stop, we can stop or we can carry on. No, absolutely. Let's do it. All right. I'm going to pull some couple out. And uh, all right. Tell me the worst joke you know. Oh, God. Um, right. There's one that there's one that I could tell that would go on forever where my ex-girlfriend um, at the time we had our first date and I told her the joke. And she said, I nearly didn't go for a second date with you after you told that joke. It's not offensive. It's just so stupid. Mm. So do you want me to do this one? I'll try and I'll do it at a, a decent pace. So there's, go for it. A mummy, there's a mummy balloon, daddy balloon and a baby balloon uh, living very happily together in a house. Lovely, happy balloon family, um, except baby balloon is um, now starting to get too. He used to sleep in bed with mummy and daddy balloon. He's getting too big to sleep there now. They want him. He's growing up. They want him to sleep in his own bed. So every single night he keeps trying to sort of get up and, 
sneak into their bed and they keep going, no, you need to go and sleep in your in your bedroom and everything. You know, you're growing up now. So one night he comes up with a plan where he, he goes in, sneaks into to mummy and daddy's room when they're asleep, unties mummy balloon, lets a bit of air out of her, ties her back up again. Uh, unties uh, daddy balloon, lets a bit of air out of him, ties him back up again. And then same to himself, unties, bit of air out, ties himself back up again. And then he, he slots in between them so perfectly. They, they don't notice, they don't wake up. Uh, and he just drifts off to sleep. The next day, Mummy and Daddy Balloon wake up and they are furious with him, with what he's done. They see it, immediately see it and they go, you know, they're absolutely furious. And Daddy Balloon says, you've let me down, you've let your mum down, but most of all, you have let yourself down. That, that, that's a good one. Um, you got the it's... second date, right? You had a second date. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the whole thing ended uh, not great anyway, but, you know, we'll move past that. It wasn't related to the joke, thank God. I did get the second <laughs> date in the end. <laughs> Miracle there. Um, yeah, that's uh, I like that. I asked for a bad joke. There it is. Okay, this is yeah. regional for the Brits. What goes on chips? Um, Either gravy or curry sauce. I'm a northerner, so I, I have gravy. I'm all about gravy. <clears throat> there it is. Nothing wrong with it. Even though I'm from the south in London, I see nothing wrong with that either. The only thing I... I, I I put my foot down against. I hate vinegar. I really hate vinegar. And uh, that everyone else in the band loves salt and vinegar crisps. I know that it's always getting requested on the rider uh, if we happen to get a, 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 the option for a rider. So I turn up at the venue and there's a big bag of crisps and I don't want a single packet of them. Oh, <laughs> curse. I hear you. Okay. My curse. My life. <laughs> what is the first thing you do after you wake up? Um, try not to go straight on my phone because I don't mm. want to be a, a slave to the social media society that, that that this world has created. But unfortunately, I am. So I usually just go straight on my phone. Um, other than that, I'll try and I'll usually put a podcast on something funny to make myself uh, to make myself laugh and wake up a little bit more because I am the worst morning person. I, I am awful at actually waking up. It takes me about six hours to actually feel like I've I've, I've come, come back to life, you know. Um, well done for trying to obviously break that cycle regarding phones and social media and stuff like that. I know it's near impossible. I personally find it impossible um, to, to, to. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's just, it, it's almost instinctual to reach for the phone, isn't it? It is. And it's, you know, it's, it's a thing that, you know, I was, I think 11 years old when my dad helped me set up a Facebook account, you know, and so I've been on, on social media ever since then. And it did just reach a point about three or four years ago where I started to go, this doesn't feel healthy mm. you know especially the amount that i post the amount of my life that i share so i've over the years started to reduce the amount that i i post and share and i'm now at the point where I, I either take regular breaks i'm i'm so close to actually just either deleting the accounts entirely or sort of locking myself out of them getting a friend of mine to like change the password and go don't tell me the password i don't want an excuse to actually like log back in mm. and have a look you know um i think yeah, it's, I mean, it's a very personal thing as well. Just, yeah, myself growing, my entire teenage years were spent arguably too much time on social media, you know, and I think it is, it's a scary thing for, for people to, to grow up with in, in, in such an extreme amount, you know. I have to follow that up because from a personal perspective, I completely understand that, but I also know, and you will know as well, that when it comes to banned stuff, it's almost mm. a requirement. And we're not just talking about one social media platform. We are talking about three, four, five streaming sites and so on. How do you get that balance right? Listen, yeah, I I myself, I've, I've helped out with the um, 
YouTube and stuff like that. I mean, back in the day, you know, back when the band first started, I was I was helping to post stuff. Um, Jen does a lot of that now because um, she has sort of an idea for what she wants to do with it or what mm-hmm. what works in a post. She's definitely we've been trying to do a bit more on TikTok, and she's um, really leaned into to to. Yeah, I mean, she's got some some big viral hits now and everything like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, so that's that's always cool to see. Um, but yeah, I I I help out filming the videos and everything like that. But also, again, it's it can affect my brain a little bit too much when we're talking so much about algorithms and everything like that. And it's like you know, it is a necessary part of of being in a band in the modern day. And there's lots of positives to it as well because it's you know we're not having to rely on on old style media to to publish us and promoters and everything. We can kind of take it into our own hands. But at the same time, yeah, it's um, I try not to let myself get too absorbed into it, or I just start to um, have an existential crisis, you know. <laughs> now, nah, well put. Okay, uh, who is someone, and it could be from any walk of life. Uh, it can be um, personal to you. It can be from a different form of media, but someone that you cite as inspiration. Um, the obvious one I've mentioned several times is is James Hetfield and Lars Ulrich. I think without mm. them. Um, I wouldn't be playing music really, probably. You know, I've got Hetfield tattooed on my ribs here. You know, I'm I'm an absolute anorak for them. Um, outside of that, um, George R. R. Martin, who wrote A Song of Ice and Fire, the Game of Thrones books. You mm. know, I mean, the 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 show is, you know, it ended how it did. Um, I've got <laughs> thoughts on that, but that's a whole other podcast. Um, but the books themselves, I I still you know very regularly every year or two go back to, and they're just my favorite work of fiction ever you know they're so dense and there's so so much to unpack every time you read them again you notice something new um so yeah big inspiration for me there as well definitely do you think do you think he'll ever finish it oh god um well this yeah I, this i've come to terms with the idea i've stopped thinking about it because i finished the books 10 years ago this year so mm. I've been waiting 10 years. I mean, the people who, who were reading them as they went out, they've been waiting 13 years now, you know. Um, like, if it, you know, I think it's highly likely we'll get book six. Um, yeah. Whether, whether we ever get, because there's one more book to come after that, who knows? But I've kind of come to terms with it. And and even if the, the, the series isn't finished, they still will always hold a very, very sort of special place in my heart. And I also, the people who are, you know, just bombarding him with either insults or or me, you know, horrible things about how oh, why didn't you finish these books, you know, or this, that, the other. Yeah, I saw something, I think a friend of his passed away recently, he posted posted about their death. And all the comments were just again, finish the series, release the winds of winter. And it's like, you don't deserve the book at this point, you know. You lot don't you're deserve not, it. You're not owed something. Come on. No, this is it. You're not owed them. You know, it'd be lovely if we get them, but you, you know, he he doesn't owe you that. You know, <sighs> let him live his life. Okay, and maybe I guess this might tie into it. What is a topic that you are quite argumentative about? Um, yeah, def- definitely uh, <laughs> talking about the the uh, well, the books in general, but obviously specifically the the show. Uh, I go back and reread uh, the books all the time. I've not gone mm. back to Game of Thrones since it finished. Um, I'm always I'm a, a huge um, Doctor Who obsessive as well. I'm I'm that kind of nerd um, and. You know, I <laughs> I will I have very, very strong opinions about that. Um and about um especially with the current thing of of people going, Oh, it's gone woke. You know, I mean that phrase in general is obviously horrendous, yeah. but just you know, all these ridiculous arguments about this, that and the other. Um 
And also, going back to Metallica, Lars Ulrich, I'm a huge apologist for that man. And I will, I will, I will stand on that ground and fight for him on most things. Maybe not on on certain things, but on on most things, I will go. Actually, don't you don't you speak ill about that man? You know. I couldn't agree more. Um, the disrespect sometimes is absolutely infuriating. If Metallica didn't exist, I may not like metal. That is my gateway band through and through. So I will die on that hill with you um, for sure. Okay, one more. What does the word happy mean to you? Ooh. Oh, we're going very philosophical to end this, aren't we? Mm. Happiness for me is the perfect balance of having my bass in my hand and getting to play on stage. I think I would be, you know, I'd be like an animal trapped in a cage if I wasn't allowed to go and play on stage. You can take away any albums or recording or whatever, you know, but if I'm if I'm not allowed to to play on stage, then I, I, I wouldn't be happy to be able to have the, the four people that I play in the band with around me um, and then to separate from that just to be able to have enough time to sit on my own in my room playing video games and listening to, to music and podcasts. You know what I mean? I just just time to myself. I think that's it. I just need time on stage, time with my friends, time to myself. And that's that's all I need to keep my 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 sim character happy and keep the happiness levels that are in the right area. Well, I believe two out of three of those we will definitely get time with your friends, time with your band and mates and time on stage, as we've talked about with the Flogging Molly tour coming up. And fingers crossed, expected many more dates and shows as 2024 goes on. To remind people, Anti-Fun Propaganda, your incredible debut album is out on February 23rd via Marshall Records. Take my word for it, people. Don't sleep in this. If this is going to be your first taste of Jen and the Degenerates. You're in for a damn good time. If you're a returning listener, you already know you're in for a damn good time. Jay, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I massively appreciate it. No, thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure. It's been a joy. Thank you very much for watching. If you'd like to see more content like this, please consider hitting the subscribe button. It is gratefully appreciated. You can find us over at gbhbl.com, our full website, where reviews, news, and so much more goes up daily. We're also on all social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, threads, at GBHBL. Just search for GBHBL and you will find us out there. We also have merchandise on sale. You can access the shop via the website.